Welcome back. When last we spoke, we discussed the wolves of Moonreach and their flight from their home village after a very climactic battle. It was hard won, but the wolves, though they were not wolves yet, separated, going their different disparate ways. Now, in the spring of 373 CD, Beldan, his two companions, and Willem, aged 14, Lewin, aged 16, and Smoochie, aged 15, made it to the wild and wonderful city of Ravenmoor, built into the side of several mountain ranges. They set up base in an old abandoned tavern called the Goblin Pub and carried out a few missions for the Veiledalinian army. Though they seemed not to be a part of the ranks and acted more as a separate guerrilla unit, in the summer, Beldan was summoned for a secret mission and took May with him, leaving his childhood friends and Aro behind in Ravenmoor. He told them when he returned, they would be going on a dangerous mission, and they should spend his time away training. Later, in late summer through early autumn, Willem, Smoochie, Lewin, and Aro heard of a small village that had been attacked repeatedly by bandits. The four of them tracked down a group of barbarian tribesmen from the God's Valley and engaged them. However, not knowing the tribe was about to be ambushed by another rival tribe, the group was caught in the crossfire. In the conflict, Smoochie killed the clan champion of one tribe in single combat, but was overwhelmed and captured. Fearing all of their deaths, Aro transported himself, Willem, and Lewin to safety, miles away. He just left Smoochie there, out on his own? Well, I think he was out of range. The barbarians were able to snatch him up and take him away before he was able to do that. Magic is weird, I believe. No thanks to Arrow. Uh, it's, it's Aro. Arrow. Uh... Yes, no thanks to him. Uh, <clears throat> well, elsewhere during this time, Gorbel, now 15 and Tomar, aged 14, left Stiltide far behind. They traveled to the town of Goldenwood. Gorbel had begun performing as a bard with songs played on her sham with the occasional dance. This allowed the two enough money to move from place to place. By late autumn, Willem had gathered enough supplies to go searching for Smoochie, and despite Lewin and Aro's objections, left to find his friend in the dead of night. Shortly afterward, while searching for her brother, Lewin learned that her father was still alive and dwelling with the other elves in the Blood Forest. Just left his daughter on her own? He left the whole damn town. Never came back to check? He sure didn't. You know, that's not... Didn't even write a write a note or send a bird or something? No, it, it appears he did not. In fact, he largely abandoned his whole former life, it seemed. That's pretty sus, if you ask me. No, it doesn't seem like the tidiest of circumstance, but perhaps that will come to play later. 
In late autumn, Tomar met Darren and Maria Ironfist in Goldenwood. The two were brother and sister. And I have a cousin named Darren. Is is he Darren Ironfist? No. Nah. I think it's a different Darren. Well, it's just, you know, small small world. Yes, uh, sometimes people share names, though they may not be the same person nor related. I've never met anybody with my name. W- what is your name? Tit. W- I'm sorry, what? Tit. Tit? Yeah. Uh, I guess I never asked what your name was. Um, y- yes, uh, Tit, that is quite an uncommon name. The two were brother and sister, and though they shared the same clan name, they were from completely different lines than Tomar. The siblings were on a personal mission to find the ancient home of the dwarves, Wirecrag. Their goal was to reawaken the Long Cold Forge. Also at this time, Gorbel began a full-time gig as the in-house entertainment at the Woolly Doe Tavern. Later, during Frost, Tomar was asked to join Maria and Darren on their journey to find the ancient dwarven city. Now, you're still talking about brother Darren and not cousin Darren, right? Yes, your cousin Darren does not feature a very large part of this story, unfortunately. Well, is there a way that we can differentiate them? Because I'm having troubles. Uh, how, what, what is your, your cousin Darren's surname? Uh... I I never asked. He's your your cousin and you didn't ask? I have a lot of cousins. Do you have a lot of cousin Darren's? A few. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, perhaps for sake of both brevity and clarity, we can call this, I'll just say Darren Ironfist. Well, I'll I'll do my best to track this, but no promises. Uh, uh, we'll we'll see what we can do. Uh, where was I? Ah, yes. Uh, later during Frost, Tomar was asked to join Maria and Darren Ironfist on their journey to find the ancient dwarven city. Tomar was excited at the prospect, but when he told Gorbel about his plans, they had a fight, and he left. Through autumn 373 and into late spring of 374, Smoochie was used as a tool of destruction for the clan that captured him. He was pit against other clan champions in single combat, and did so with such a ferocity it was unmatched by the others he encountered. You know, I'm just gonna... I know I've asked the same question different people... Once before, or twice, or three times, I can't even remember at this point, but they didn't go back for him? Well, we'll get to that. There, There is a lack of loyalty in this crowd, and, you know, my cousin Darren and I, we always say, loyalty above all else. <laughs> yes, family is important to many. That has nothing to do with family. <laughs> we are also close friends. <laughs> And colleagues and confidants. (laughs) Because of his feral battling, Smoochie earned the nickname The Caged Wolf and was kept imprisoned when he was not acting as a proxy combatant. They have to go back for him. He is in a cage. Just stay with me. You'll see what happens. Okay, keep going then. On the 53rd day of spring, the council in Deepminster, who you'll recall was running Veldoden as regents for the boy king, established a new branch of their government. 
the Inquisition. Oh, that doesn't sound good. It doesn't, does it? The new arm of authority called the Inquisition was led by Lord Favian Drakenfrost of Red Harbor. The Inquisition's sole purpose seemed to be concerned with seeking out warlocks and other aberrations to bring them to heel for some purpose. By summer, construction had begun on the Tower of Inquisition in the city. In early winter of 374, Gorbel met another traveling bard named Lufric who had a peculiar performance technique. After a few nights of interaction, Lufric convinced Gorbel to let him teach her his new style of entertainment, mock fighting. She was a quick study, and the showman in Gorbel loved the notoriety this type of performance granted her. After a few weeks, Gorbel and Lufric began to travel along the Dragon Tail, performing everywhere and making a name for themselves. In midwinter, Tomar and the other Iron Fists ascended into the Bildrock after receiving a tip from a mysterious individual at a roadside inn. However, after they arrived, a vicious beast stalked them and killed many, including Maria. In fact... Oh no, that is his girlfriend, isn't it? Well, I think if you know some of the history of the wolves, there was a certain fondness there, though I don't know if they would call each other boyfriend and girlfriend necessarily. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to put a label on it, I guess. Sorry. I don't think they were either. I think they were just... They had a fondness, like I said. In fact, only Tomar and Darren were left alive. Uh, Darren Ironfist, not your cousin Darren. Whew. Darren abandoned Tomar, blaming him for his sister's death. Oh the- my god. Yes. That doesn't sound like Darren. This is, this is Darren Ironfist. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. <clears throat> They crossed blades high in the mountain peaks on an ancient dwarven bridge suspended over a river, and during the clash, Tomar lost his balance on crumbling rock and plummeted hundreds of feet below into the icy waters. It was in his most desperate moment that he heard a voice pronouncing themselves as Warkrag, the god of the forge. It is unknown what exactly transpired at that moment. However, what is known is that less than a week later, Tomar emerged from Lion Town, changed. He tried to track down the mysterious figure who sent them to their deaths, but was unsuccessful. In the spring of 375 CD, Lewin returned to Ravenmore after disowning her father. Smart move on her part. Though we don't know what happened, it probably was pretty scandalous. She and Aro began searching for Willem and Smoochie then. A few weeks later, Smoochie killed the chief of his captors and escaped into the wilds. He earned the nickname the Uncaged Wolf. Oh, how the tables have turned. A few days later, he was surrounded by several enemies from another clan and prepared to be killed. However, it was at that moment that Willem finally arrived and the two of them killed the entire crew in a murderous bloodbath but were almost killed themselves. Days afterward, Lewin and Aro found Smoochie and Willem badly injured in the Hawthorne Valley and brought them back to Ravenmoor to nurse them back to health. 
Meanwhile, after spending a few weeks in Red Harbor, Gorbel and Lufric began making plans to travel to Ashenvale, Lufric's hometown, to perform. This is what their many months of friendship and partnership had led up to, as Lufric was very unceremoniously shunned by the town after some great endeavor many years ago. It would be the first time back for him in nearly a decade, and he and Gorbel had been working on a new move that would dazzle any and all who witnessed it. However, as their journey approached, Lufric's moods became very depressed, and he drank himself into a stupor each night. Gorbel began to worry about her mentor and his health. Many weeks later, in the summer, Gorbel met a charismatic young woman named Lila, who was called the She-Wolf by the members of her entourage. The two hit it off famously, and Gorbel learned that Lila and her crew would be leaving Red Harbor very soon afterward. Enamored, Gorbel sadly left Lufric so that she could travel with Lila. You know, we got a leaving problem in this crew. You know, that seems to be a theme that would follow the wolves for the rest of their days. On the 17th day of autumn, the Great Hunt began in Ravenmoor, and a group called the Bleak Gathering took first place. From autumn of 375 until late spring 376, Gorbel, Lila, and Lila's crew traveled to South Glen by boat, and then by land to North Glen, and finally, Haval. Gorbel had been performing and making her name well known during this time. Using the style of mock fighting that Lufric had created, she was a sensation. She was called Gorbel the Adorable by her fans, a name Lila concocted. Meanwhile, Tomar, now alone, began searching for his sister. He learned about a very unique bardic performer called Gorbel the Adorable, and of a big performance in Haval, and traveled there to see her. In the early summer, after learning her shows were just a front for her partner's foul crimes, Gorbel and Lila had a messy split in Haval. Getting out of hand, Lila tried to kill Gorbel, but she got away. Fortunately, she encountered Tomar, and after a quick reunion, the two of them were able to kill the majority of Lila's underlings and escape north into the Traveler's footpath. In early summer, Beldan and May returned to Ravenmoor. Beldan brought a human woman along named Aelia and said that she was his wife. Wait, he just said that, or was she really his <laughs> wife? She was really his wife. Okay. She was also several weeks pregnant. With his child or someone else's? It is assumed to be his. Okay. Beldan told the group that they would be leaving soon to head to Deepminster so that the rest of them could become official members of the Veldalinian army. However, just a few short weeks later, Beldan received a cryptic summons. He, May, and Aelia left again, promising to return soon. Meanwhile, Gorbel and Tomar, running low on money, decided to head to Ravenmoor to book performances for Gorbel as it was the busiest city in Veldalen that time of year. In early autumn, Lewin, now 19, Willem, now 17, and Smoochie, now 18, went to a tavern called the Longboat to blow off some steam. Gorbel and Tomar coincidentally arrived at roughly the same time, intending on getting Gorbel her first show. There was a quick reunion with the childhood friends before they got in a tavern brawl. 
Now we move to the ninth day of autumn. After spending a few days catching up and allowing a sense of normalcy to return to their friendship, the group accepted a job transporting a large crate. However, much as is the way of things, the group was attacked by the very organization they were contracted to work for. After killing the set of very large twins traveling with them, they discovered a mysterious symbol of a red knife on a black field. The next day, after returning to Ravenmore, the group decided to accept a nice and easy job from the Lapidary Guild in finding a missing stone of indeterminate value. However, everything went awry, and the group rounded up a rogue member of the guild and became embroiled in a deeper plot by a crime boss called Dildane. They also met a gnome by the name of Jeff. There was a resolution that was unsatisfying because Dildane got away. On the 17th of autumn, the group signed up for the Great Hunt and chose the temporary group name Willem Valtel and the Heartbreakers. That has a good ring. You know, it's surprising that they went with the Wolves of Moonreach considering that was just an absolute bop of a group name. I don't know why they changed it. Well, listen up and you'll find out. Here in Ravenmoor, they met Kurdu Rivertrapper, the hunt master of Ravenmoor, who, along with several other individuals, would be one of the judges of the hunt. Kurdu also had a young daughter who became mildly starstruck upon encountering Gorble, having seen her performing a couple of years ago when she was visiting her cousins in Red Harbor. In the library of Ravenmoor, the group learned of some great beasts near the city. Then the group encountered a youth named Zyko, a surly starstrummer named Janus, and an apathetic half-elf woman named Bilba, after Gorbel and Willem tried to gather information and ended up much too charismatic for their own good. The three pledged themselves to the Heartbreaker's cause and started fixing up the Goblin Pub in the meantime. Days 17 and 18 of autumn, the group traveled to the Hawthorne Valley to find a rumored giant creature. They reached the town of Tidefell and met the blacksmith Fredlin Bucktomb and his apprentice Garrow. Tomar and Smoochie had weapons forged for them, Carag's fury and Garrow's pride, while Lewin found an exotic sword that Fredlin had acquired long ago. Days 18 and 19 of autumn, the group encountered a young halfling named Roscoe Shelby from Shadeholme, near the shore of Dead Lake. He and his uncle Franco, or Frank, were the only survivors of a goblin attack, and Franco was taken alive as captive. The group tracked Franco to a cave on the far side of the shore. There they found dozens of dead goblins, and further they found a conclave of dark-robed individuals attempting a ritual with Franco in the center. The gang rescued him and killed the hooded individuals who appeared to be corpse-like with magical burning hands. However, the ritual had summoned a massive, aquatic, octopus-like creature that arrived and captured Willem, diving beneath the water in the cave. Tomar, in a moment of desperation, prayed to Warcarag for help, and suddenly the cave walls were rent in two, and there was a clear path to the creature and Willem. Tomar leaped onto its back, and the three barreled across Dead Lake. The others reached the shore and encountered more of the robed individuals. The creature arrived and attacked the robed folk and killed them. It became immediately friendly to the group from Moonreach. They devised a way to bring the creature back alive for the hunt in order to gain points. It involved a sturdy cart and a lot of water. No one had ever seen anything like it before, and the group was allowed to name it. 
Tomas suggested Caragula as a nod to his guard. Days 20 through the 22nd of autumn, the group took the young Zyka with them to find their next creature. Wait. Yes. Did they get it back? They they got it back, yes. And then did they get it back to the water from there? No, but that comes to pass here shortly. They encountered another crew of hunters called the Chaos Company in the massive forest called The Expanse. They made friends and shared a meal and drink before continuing on. They found some dangerous and vicious wolves in the crags of the mountains near the edge of the expanse and fought them off, killing several. Gorbel chose one of the beasts and decided that when they returned to Ravenmoor, she'd have it made into a cowl. In order to climb further into the cliff face, they had to leave their cart behind. Zyko agreed to watch over it. A few hours later, near morning, the group then happened upon a massive wolf creature and its pup, the luminescent wolf Aradi, and her offspring, Bim. While trying to subdue her, the group accidentally killed the mother. However, oh. however, Lewin was able to bring the wolf back to life using the ancient elven spell Soul Share, binding them together. Aradi was grateful and agreed to go with them to Ravenmoor on the condition that she and her offspring would not be harmed. Additionally, they brought along a large amount of star elk. To an even greater surprise, they found that while they were away from their cart, Zyko had defended it from a thief with his stick. Aradi said that she felt a strange kinship with the group and considered them wolves as well. And so... They changed their hunting group name to the Wolves of Moonreach. Day 23 of Autumn. With such rare species brought back and alive even, the wolves easily won the great hunt, and the bleak gathering came in second. They received a chest full of items, including sandals of swiftness, a magical communication brooch and earrings shaped like beetles, and an ancient ring with the symbol of a spider on it. There were many other items in the chest, but who has time to list them all? The city rolled out massive kegs of drink, and the whole place turned into a party zone. Day 24. After the hunt, the wolves tried to inquire about the luminescent wolves and the Caragula, but were barred from doing so. Kurdu told them he was unable to do anything, and the personal guard of the town leadership had taken over, dismissing him back to his usual duties. The wolves spent some time trying to find out more information and learned that the leader of Ravenmoor, the Countess, was keeping the creatures for herself. Before they could talk to her, the wolves saw Aro was being arrested as a criminal in the town square. He was accused of consorting with the enemy and helping a Rothian prisoner escape. The wolves helped their dragonborn companion flee back to their hideout, and he explained that the Ruthian was a friend of his from many years ago. Oh my god, he actually did it? <laughs> I suppose he did. William argued with the group in favor of Aro, while most of the others believed he should serve his time for treachery. A few days later, the group found that the town guard had captured Aro and was standing him on trial in the town square. As they named him guilty and prepared to hang him by the neck, Willem shouted out the words, Trial by combat! He offered himself up as a champion and faced off against Bonifer Glout, a massive half-orc town guard. Willem killed him and Aro was set free. 
A few days later, after a helpful tip from an untrustworthy Dane, the wolves made plans to rescue the Caragula and the Luminescent Wolves from the Countess's clutches. First, they snuck in through a secret passage in the courtyard of her state and found her second-in-command, Burr, who explained that all was not what it seemed there, and that if they wanted to find their missing animal companions, they should hurry. Burr explained that they would need to split up. He confirmed that the luminescent wolves would be much more lightly guarded, and Gorble, eager to test out her new sandals, offered to go. When the group protested, she simply informed them that she wouldn't be going alone because she would take Zyko and Jennifer the chicken. The group was fractured even more as Willem slipped away to try and find another entrance into the manor, while the remaining group entered through the front door. There was battle, skirmish, but finally, the main bulk of the group was able to make it upstairs to the Countess's inner chambers. Willem, discovering what is essentially a basement underneath the Countess's mansion, saw a large lake and heard movement within, in the dark. I bet I know what's in there. I bet you might. He trolled around for a little while and found a secret hatch on a catwalk. When he climbed inside, he found a small chamber with a lit fireplace in the hearth. There, on the other side of the chamber, was the Countess, though something was off. That's not what I thought he was going to find in there. No. It is unlikely, but it is what happened. He learned that this woman in the basement, in this private secret chamber, was the Countess's apparent sister, and she rolled bones and pieces of stone as if to forecast the future. In it, she saw, and as what was explained to Willem, was that he was not supposed to be there, that he was an aberration. Rather than hear her out, Willem cut her throat. Yikes. Gorbel found a sewer grate where they were keeping the luminescent wolf and her pup. She was able to remove it and climb down into it, and after fighting two guards with the help of Psycho, was able to free the luminescent wolf and her pup. They raced out of the sewer grate and into the city beyond, and she watched as they leapt over the city gates and went off into the wilderness. The main bulk of the group faced off against the Countess. She had her own purposes that she was not willing to share, but did divulge that there was something forthcoming in the city, something bad, and that they could do little to stop it. The group fought her, and when one of her companions emerged from the shadows, a tiefling, whose name is unknown, he was killed almost immediately. The Countess then, with a glowing palm, attacked the rest of the group. Finally, Gorbel and Zyko arrived, and with their powers combined were able to overcome the Countess and bring her to an end. However, Zyko was very badly burned in his face by the burning palm of the Countess. This is where we will leave off for now. I feel that the hour has grown late, and my lips and tongue are dry. I don't need all those nasty details. Just take a drink of water and... My feet are full of bunions, and they are sore. Everything hurts. 
Maybe you should get on home and take care of that. I'm a little drunk. But yes, I think that we will continue here. We will hear this final part of the Ravenmore arc, as you could call it, of the wolves. And then we will transition into the next part of their story, including where they met one of the more recent members of their group, a halfling with a penchant for singing and shooting. But that is it for tonight. Thank you for listening to this chapter. I hope it wasn't too boring. No, I think it had everything. It had a had a Darren. It had some some water monsters, some wolves, some murder, some some betrayal, leaving people behind. It had all the the major points. Well, thank you. I've I've been trying to position this story so that it is entertaining to all and not just some. It appears to have done its job. I am amused through which the story flows. I do not write it, I just recite it. How about you go take care of those bunions? Oh, that is an excellent idea. I think that I will. In any case, good evening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>